Keeping it real on cliffcentral.com. Jambo, bonjour to all of you tuned in to the Fashion Lab on Clip Central today. My name is Lisa Gumba Regisford, and I'm joined in my lab by my co-host, Morwick Peterson. Good afternoon, everyone. And our senior trend analyst, Nicola Cooper. For our new listeners, Fashion Lab is the first business radio show to go live on air in the world with a mission to help, to develop, to grow, and to sustain businesses behind the fashion um, industry, especially in Africa. Through our uncensored, unscripted um, conversations, this is where we dissect uh, the business behind fashion. Um, Morwick, um, your mohawk <laughs> your mohawk looks nice to it's the back. left. It's back. I'm it's very back. happy to see After it. After how many weeks? Even when Nicholas saw me, she was like, what? Who's that? It's like, it's me. I, I'm happy to see it and I'm happy to see you in orange. Could you just quickly describe to our listeners what you're wearing? Because we are in orange today. Yeah, yeah. I have on this Super phenomenal. Um, it's like a peach cut blazer with peach. Um, what is this? What what type of shoes are these? Nicola will know. But they're brogues. They're brogues. <laughs> they're brogues with black shirt, black pants. My mo's bows going on. Um, yeah, everything yeah. going on. But Liz, welcome back. Welcome back from Mombasa. Oh, thank you. Very you were in much. Kenya. Oof, you look Lord. so much more relaxed. Yes, I am. Who wouldn't be relaxed in Mombasa? And thanks for those pictures oh. of the beautiful <laughs> ocean. <laughs> To rub in our faces. <laughs> Nicola, it's nice to see you with your lovely, um, it looks a bit darker, this hair today. But could you just describe to our audience, uh, our listeners, what you're wearing as well? Yeah, I'm actually going for a whole uh, ghetto goth look today. Um, I'm speaking about sneakers. So I'm wearing a very, very nice pair of limited edition McHugh's, which is Alexander McQueen's collaboration with Puma. Holla at your girl. Moment, take us straight into yes. Wow. Yes, the, our eyes break him. I, 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 I read something very interesting. And since, you know, we're speaking about, you know, space planning and, and innovation and all of that, um, I, I came up with this concept, you know, because we're in the fashion industry and we're in the creative industry. But being a fashion designer, not just being in the creative um, space, um, what does your space say about your brand? So, for example, if I had the whole Mosbos thing going on, you know, how would I want to represent my store or whether it's my online space? Uh, do you guys think it's important that? Because I mean, when you look at different stores, if we if we walk into Zara or you know those those type in parentheses, um, mm. you walk in and you <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> and you and you. Walk in, and when you walk into a beautiful space, I mean, you feel beautiful, and you and you want to spend money. Or am I exaggerating? No, you're so right. Mm-hmm. You're so right, Liz. I agree. I mean, I'm. You know what? One of the things I'm struggling with as a designer as well is some people have said that I'm not a hippie, but some people <laughs> have said that my space makes them feel like I'm kind of a hippie and kind of brings an aesthetic that's not really me. So I'm struggling with that and I'm very happy that we have some special guests in studio today who are going to not just um, inspire or, or redirect our energies when it comes to thinking about how to actually set up your space so that it speaks you and not speaks what you don't even know about. Exactly. So I'm struggling with that, but I, I agree totally that you yeah. know your space um, um, represents your brand and and aesthetic, and it's it's up to us, I think, as um, the African fashion industry and brands and and you know and designers to just start. Uh, paying more attention to our spaces. Yes, absolutely. And I'm sure it's profitable. And I'm excited to um, also just say that on the show today, we'll be discussing or dissecting um, a subject matter around strategic planning through innovative in-store design for brands 
and retail shop fronts. And joining us in studio are our special guests, Arthur Blake, uh, designer of 26 boxes. 27. 27. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> she still has the Mombasa thing going Excuse on. me. Leave, leave the one, leave the one box. Maybe there's a, there's a strategy to that, but it's 27 boxes. Excuse me. And then we've got fashion designer Mpumelelo from Fula. Very good. Liz. Fry pan. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the house, we've got André Leroux. André, tu parles français? No. <laughs> no. Okay. But it, it, it sounds very André Leroux and Lionel Harrington from Not Ordinary Design. We also have Johan, Johan Venter for Adidas Concept Store. So we've got a full house of really cool, interesting people who are innovators within the concept design space coming up with really cool ideas and ways to be able to help us leverage ourselves as brands and not just be, hi, my name is Liz and look at my shop and there's really I, nothing absolutely. exciting more. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, where do we start? Where do we start? Lizzie? Where do we welcome start? Welcome to the show. I'm, welcome we, we, to, I'm so excited because whenever the studio is so full, I'm like, wow, there's so many, there's so many people in studio. Yes, welcome to the show. And and just a quick reminder for those who are tuned in um, for the first time, we normally have a segment called "Who Would You Want to Dress" at the end of the show, and this is where we get to have some little fun and just easing up on the he- heavy conversations. And you can tweet us um, at Fashion Lab AF, or you can Insta us if you want to go visual at Fashion Lab Africa. Send us your beautiful photos of whoever you would want to dress, whether it's a bad or good reason. We don't really care. We just want to know who and why. Yeah. Um, straight on to the show. Um, welcome to the show, lovely people. We are so many here. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I think I think we'll just go straight into things, Arthur. Um, Welcome to the show. And Welcome, we know Martha. that Paul was supposed to be here, but we still appreciate the fact that you're here. Thank you. And um, we love what you guys are doing with 27 boxes, not 26. <laughs> and uh, we obviously see that it's a very eclectic um, shopping center space, which is built entirely from shipping containers. Um, obviously, I think the first in Africa, I've never heard of anything like this. What Could you share with us a bit about what inspired this creative concept? Melville is... A small village in Johannesburg. It's actually an amazing place to just walk through and look at the buildings. Uh, I've got some pictures of Melville from the top of 7th Street. And if you look at those pictures, it looks like a career dorby. So you... Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, what is that? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> uh, you know, if you, if you go from Johannesburg to Cape Town and you stop right in the middle between the two, you and the Karoo. So any town that you get there is a Karoo Dorpy. Okay, and then, so what we have here is a, a, a small eclectic village uh, actually in itself where a lot of designers, artists, people from the SABC, intellectuals uh, live. And there's quite a lot, I think there's about 80 artists in Melville alone and they live they scattered all over the little village so when you want to do something in Melville what are you going to do are you just going to go and build another shopping center (laughs) you certainly don't want to do that so it was very easy to to think that uh, something different is needed and and the park which was called Fawn Park was just redundant for nearly 20 years. Mm-hmm. And it just lay there in a, ten, a tennis courts on. And I walked past this 
park for, for many years, and I heard about proposals that will happen here, but none, none of them happened. Until 2007, uh, Atterbury was going to build something there, and boards went up, and it all went quiet in 2008 again. So I started inquiring because I live in the area, and I could see that Melville was really going through a hard, peri- uh, hard times, and shops were closing. So uh, I, I tried to find out who owned the park, and I found out that it was leased by somebody from council and then I found this person and we uh, I started at first I started in my own person taking over the lease and then um, tried to find developers because there were so many of them before me that I uh, heard of but none of them actually could come up with the money to do it so I had to find investors to do this and luckily I found them in Satik and we had in Satik, we, we, we've been busy with containers for quite a while. We started in Windsor with the residential development. Then we went to Newtown, to those uh, 10 silos there that we repurposed, put floors in 10 floors, and then we went on with four more levels on top. And then in Brixton, we recently completed a residential uh, 75 uh, unit or bed. Uh, 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 student unit so um, it was very easy to 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 see how containers would fit into Melville and a thing like that you, you have to be really creative to to actually convince people because most of the people just didn't believe in the idea they were some of them were very Cautious but enthusiastic that something after two years would know how it happened. But I had a lot of resistance from, from a small group of people that just didn't want this thing to happen in Melville. So uh, a lot of them have come to me now afterwards and have seen how it works. The, the people that it draw to the center. Uh, and I don't know if you've been there, but it's, it's really an electric eclectic center. It's got amazing little stores in that you will find nowhere in, in Johannesburg. And we, I think if I heard it correctly, our marketing department said that they had about a thousand applications for 80 shops. So they were very selective in who they took mm-hmm. into these shops. And mm, I yeah. was just going to say, because I was, I, I was also one of the too. applicants, and unfortunately... <laughs> we didn't cut it. <laughs> Maybe that's why I said 26, because I'm hoping to get the 27 boxes. We didn't make the cut. <laughs> but we still love you, 27 boxes. Arthur, I find it very interesting, you know, that you speak about the concept and that it's an eclectic um, concept, and it's the first, you know, in mm. Africa. Um, when the concept was still in, you know, development phases, what was the initial um, objectives of 27 boxes, you know, to small SMEs and mm. young entrepreneurs looking um, for retail space within a secure space and a busy location because I know you guys also have very affordable rentals. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you mentioned 
uh, Zara, for instance. I yeah. don't know who they are, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> don't be lying, Liz. The devil is a liar. Yep. <laughs> they go into these big stores and they have 2,000 or 500 or 800 square meters. Who can afford that? Yeah. The small guy just cannot afford to go into a center. Yeah. You know, if you go to, to Campus Square, for instance, that's just a stone throw away from, from the 27 boxes, a guy that rents 32 square meters pay, um, 38,000 rand. Wow. Per month. Wow. So you can see that, that the same box of 28 square meters in, in 27 boxes will cost you with VAT and with marketing and everything. 6,000 rand. So there's mm, a comparison. Wow. 6,000 to. Difference. So obviously we couldn't go and build in Melville a, a normal brick and mortar complex and still make it affordable. But the one thing that you find in, in, in 27 boxes is small spaces mm -hmm. that can be fitted very well. And this is where these guys come in. You've got, uh, now I must just refer to the 27 boxes. There's, yeah. there's actually 102 containers, but it started off with 27 square meter boxes, but oh, we, okay. we dropped the square meter because that's the, the area of a 12 meter container. Mm -hmm. So we have, uh, in the center, we find uh, 12 and 6 meter containers. So for, for the smaller container, I think which, uh, one of you guys have fitted, the, uh, in that, uh, the, the, the cost is under 3000 rand wow. per, month wow. now you can see then you don't have to spend your whole month and just the last two days is profit maybe <laughs> yeah well. i love it i love <laughs> it so you know most people make up their rent in in a good weekend yeah and then then the rest they are actually can, can build a business and the whole idea worldwide if you go to 27 boxes in in london you see that in a very expensive area they built uh, a lot of containers right next to a, a station, and in that you find these guys that can fit their shop very well. But the concept there is also very nice because people come in there for five, six, seven, eight months a year, maybe even a month, to test the market. Yeah, uh, we are fortunate that we've got hundreds of people in in Johannesburg that mm -hmm. are looking for a, a small space and mm -hmm. can't go all over the show. But if you, if you look at the reaction from Africa, there's a guy now in 27 boxes as we stand here. He's been there since he's heard about it about four or five weeks ago. He's been there every weekend. And he's trying to take the concept to, to Gaborones and Francis Town Very nice. and Mon. And there's people from Botswana and there's people from the north of, of Congo that's looking at doing the same thing because it's fast. It's, it's efficient. It's, not necessarily so much uh, cheaper. It's just the concept of much faster. And then we we were fortunate we didn't pay a lot for the for the land, because very often you pay for retail land very expensive. So in this case we we we're not paying that much for the land, which also building it cheaper, faster, and being on cheaper ground, we can also give the retailer that discount. 
I just want to ask a question mm. from from a trend analyst's perspective. Is mm. like we're seeing a lot of architects, even you know high end architects like David Ajay, using um, you know sustainable uh, material or even African material. So, w- did you guys r- think about the <laughs> what did I just do there? Sustainability of of the store and the concept of repurposing something that would exist maybe in a graveyard, um, and and now giving it a lease, a, a new life, and is that how you are able to make it more accessible or more reasonable to your independent designers or your smaller businesses? Definitely, the the shipping container. Costs about thirty thousand delivered on site. So, if you had to go and buy a new one, you would pay approximately sixty to seventy thousand. But in our case, my whole thinking about it—if you go to all my buildings, you will see that they are dented. They—they've still got the the life of the shipping yard in them. Yeah. So I, uh, with with reason use the used shipping container because it's got it's got style it's got it's got something in it's it it's got a story yeah it's got a story to tell and some of those shipping containers uh, have been on sea for 20 years so here we are taking something that would be going to as you say to a graveyard to a steel graveyard and uh, we are repurposing it um, i'm very fortunate I'm a structural engineer and I've been designing buildings for 20 years. So, you know, it's easy for me to do something like that. I've got a little Lego box full of containers and half containers and a third container. <laughs> and when I start, I, I pack out the development. And I'm like a like a, a boy with a lot of Lego in front of me. <laughs> and each m- movement is very important. And a lot of designers from world over have been at the... 27 boxes and they they just are so um full of praise about the the areas the movement uh, and how you get to the shops so yeah we it was for us really a a thing of taking for me something of beauty it's not as uh, for for all people but Mm -hmm. a, a container box is for me like a little lego block and i enjoy working with them very much but the Spin-off of it is it gives these SMEs the opportunity to to be in a great shop. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry for you two guys that... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to take you up on it. Don't worry. We'll, we'll finish <laughs> the show, but I'm, I'm coming to you in, in many in different... She'll rugby tackle you after the show. <laughs> in different ways, so I'm not worried, and, and, and neither should you, Maureen, be worried. We are sitting here with Arthur Blake. Arthur, just one last question for you. What type of um, clientele would you say you attract? I mean, 27 boxes uh, attracts. Is it who, who who's buying there? Okay, at the moment, it's a lot of people that here are talking on the radio like now, and they all sitting. What's this? What is this container shipping uh, center, retail center? What is it? What does the shop looks like? And if you go there, you will see that the shops are extremely nice. It they looks are phenomenal. So, yeah, they are phenomenal. fantastically fitted. So the guy hears about this now. So a lot of the trade at the moment is people that come and just want to see what it's about. 
But as time develops, if we look at 44 Stanley, it took eight years to develop into a full center. So we can't expect that in, in I, I think we've been going for about six weeks. We can't expect the center to be successful in six weeks, but it's been really successful. So I would expect that it's going to plateau a little bit, mm-hmm. but you've asked who shops there. People, every shop has got something interesting in it. And uh, the two main features is the sort of more restaurants, areas that's going to come. Once those have developed, people will have very nice areas to go and sit down. And this, the one store is, is a, a, a full, full restaurant. From there, the people will walk through and it's, it's, it's a, um, a, a restaurant that I've heard that have been very successful previously. Mm-hmm. And uh, the same people are developing this one. And then we've got what we call the Stadstall. And it's going to be like a farm stall, but it's going to be a farm stall in the city. Wow. So it's going to have all the burukos. Now, you would know from coming from Mombasa what burukos <laughs> is. <laughs> Try me. <laughs> <laughs> it's the food that you would eat on the farm. Okay. It's It's and bread and very nicely done in a city way. So uh, we'll also have um, fruit and veg there. So the the people will, that will come there is the guy that's looking for, for for that type of food. But then from there, he will walk through the center and see, okay, I need a cushion. I need a, a candle. I need a dress. I need... Uh, there's a, one guy, for instance, who makes amazing concrete jewelry. Uh, concrete jewelry. He won an uh, award, or he was a nominate. Uh, he was nominated last year in the PPC Concrete Awards. So he's there to. Uh, there's there's two architects. They've got the most amazing furniture that you can think of. It's just beautiful. It's it's something to behold. Right. So that's the type of guys that's in there. It's very interesting. Um, coming to back to, I want to talk to not ordinary design a bit, just also see how you guys would work together. I mean, because obviously they're also coming up with this beautiful concept and trying to encourage brands and companies to get onto the other side of the, of the fence. And, and I'm sure that this also applies to a lot of people in your store. I mean, in your stores, in the 27 boxes. Um, Andre and, uh, Lionel, Lionel, welcome to the show. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good to have you gentlemen on the show. And, um, it's, 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 it's so serendipitous that, you know, Andre's sitting here on the show because Andre and I, we come a long way and he's the one that, Designed uh, my course, my stores, Mosbo's concept, and it looked absolutely phenomenal. That's why when 27 Boxes said no, I was, I was like, what? Oh, me too. I was like, <laughs> gee whiz, y'all don't know, y'all don't know class. <laughs> but Andre and um, Lionel, um, thank you so much for joining us in studio. Um, innovation is a key element, you know, to your company as, as a space planning company. How imperative is it that you understand your client's brief and deliver a winning innovative concept um, to your client? Well, for us, that's uh, of utmost importance. Uh, what we found is, um, and I'll give you a brief history of our company, it was really founded because we found there was a huge gap between the client's request or their, their needs and what the architect was normally able to provide. 
uh, we found out that at one stage they were not being sought or looked after at all. Mm-hmm. So the initial uh, reason why I started this company is really to address the needs of the client. And in saying so, um, uh, not trying to downsize the architects, but in saying so, they normally do buildings which are sort of monuments unto themselves mm-hmm. or, you know, <laughs> which are really um, – well, these are buildings that are really there for aesthetic purposes on the outside. And when one looked at the interior of these buildings, they were not really practical for the tenant, if I may call it that. Um, I think what was really interesting in this particular case is we had to look at containers. I've always had a liking of using containers um, as, as, a building, as a building method. And really, as it was said earlier, because it is a quick, easy way to do things, uh, one is obviously constrained by the size of it, which, as we have just said, is about 27 square meters and not nearly in line with what we normally work with. Um, our normal clients are corporate clients, uh, so we really have much more space within which to work. So this was quite a challenge for us, but it was great. Um, what we loved about um, the clients, and I'll, I'll mention the first one, um, who was That's not right. successful coming in. That's Mo. <laughs> but uh, it, it's going to come up. It's going to come it's up. It's going to come it's up. Gonna okay. come up. <laughs> um, but really, I, we loved, I loved uh, what he proposed doing in his store. It was slick. It was young. It was fresh. It was innovative. Um, I was really disappointed that he wasn't accepted as one of the tenants in that particular development because we really thought that it would say what we wanted to be said about the development within yeah. that particular store. I think um, because he and Andre have come a long way, as he said earlier, um, Andre then latched onto the idea of also then applying. Uh, his wife owns a, a little bakery, and she, and again, being a young, new um, sort of uh, company, she then decided to get in on the act. Uh, so we did a development for them, and fortunately she was successful. And um, and I'll let Andre speak a little bit more about the actual fit-out uh, in that particular store. Uh, but it was great. It was actually fun. We loved it from a fun point of view. We And this I must tell you, in our company, and I'm sure Andre will agree, or maybe not, uh, that we are actually a fun company. Um, I've always had the idea that we do not run as a normal business. We do serious work. We do what our clients need from us, but we do have fun in our office. And I think that's an imperative part of our fun, of our business. It's very cool. Very, very cool. cool. Andre, what do you want to say? Let's just go straight to you and hear what your, your two cents. <laughs> 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 on okay. the no, not on ordinary design. And, and not ordinary design obviously, obviously speaks for itself. So we don't mm. want to go back to the, oh, explain to us. Yes. <laughs> we understand, obviously, you guys are, are cutting edge. You're doing things um, out of the ordinary. Do you feel that there's a need? First of all, when you look at, say, brands, because we are fashion, and obviously we care about the fashion or the fashion brands, fashion designers, and how we present our shops or our spaces, do you feel that we are going somewhere or, or do we need a whole new revolution <laughs> in Africa when it comes to shop fronts? Okay, I, I think um, I think Johannesburg and uh, South Africa itself is, is already at, at that level whereby individuals have established themselves, designers have established themselves. Um, when it comes to doing a retail space, uh, the challenge that we, well, not, not so much a challenge, but uh, a task is where whereby a designer looks at the the client, um, which is obviously another design in this case. And we then create a concept and the interior around what the personality of that person is and what work they kind of produce, which was the fun part about 27 Boxes. Um, 
you know, as designers, all our resources lead to like shipping containers or container homes and, and all that, that's trending. And, um, we were challenged with the space, which is, which is on our side, um, a benefit because we mostly deal with space planning. So to fit the full, a full shop, um, for example, Moik wanted, um, people to sew in the shop. He wanted his fabrics in the shop. He wanted, um, he wanted it. He wanted an entrance point. He wanted. He wanted it visually he appealing. Wanted everything, <laughs> everything, and and like and that was that was one of the yeah. smaller sized uh, containers. And at the end of the day, we managed to to pull it off, and mm-hmm. and he was happy with it. Um, and on the second container, the one we fortunately we could we could fit out was a bakery. Um, so, uh, my wife that owns it, she we had a bigger premises before, and we had to fit ourselves into a shipping container, and we bake, we decorate. We have a display and people can sit and eat as well inside inside that little area. So yeah, definitely it, it comes down to us us pleasing the client. And um in Johannesburg everyone like for example there's a whole lot of stores. You you can see the character of the designer within that store. Mm. And that's that's a good thing. I mean it's just it's it's a whole lot of fun. We're at that level now where where we don't have to look abroad anymore. We've created our own sense of being and that's Josie. That's very cool. I <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm getting so excited because I so want to show I, you guys the whole picture. But NRD is a one-stop shop, and that I must tell you. They start with, you know, they consult with you. You speak to them. You give them the vision. Um, Andre and Ashley, um, you know, then because they also have the latest technology, they put everything together for you so the client can see exactly, you know, how it's going to look inside. Is it your feel? Is it your... but. When you look at how important is, you know, the fittings and finishes um, of a store. And again, because, you know, as the icebreaker was like, because what does your space say about you as a brand? So how important is that? Because you guys do everything from fitting in the furniture. You know, you guys get the furniture. You guys do everything. It's really a one-stop shop. But how important is that last detail finishing, you know, before you present it now to the client and say, here you go, here's the keys. It is now... Your store. Well, very important point. Um, it's of utmost importance. Mm-hmm. Uh, we feel that every particular client that comes through our doors needs to be addressed differently. So remember, you, for example, we had a look at your items most of all. Um, we had a look at the the design. We had a look at um, at the fit out. And remember, if we if we perhaps had the opportunity of fitting out your shop. What we normally would do is we would do the initial design based on, on your, you know, after you've agreed to those and then looking for the little things. That's what we, we think we make the difference. We go around and have a look and find these eclectic little bits of art, little pieces of furniture, things that are not normally found uh, within that environment. And um, that's where Andre and Ashley come in. I'm older, as you can see. <laughs> so... so um, what I do love about it is that we have this young, vibrant office. I leave them. I let them run on their own. We obviously have to rein them in at particular times. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know how often we do that. But um, but really taking those things and looking at what I do like them to do is to have a look at the client, assess you, look at what you really do before doing the kit out. And I'm listening to you as a fashion person. You know, you cannot walk into an empty space and say, listen, this is me. Mm-hmm. It <laughs> needs to say something about you. We yes. look at you, and I think a, a lot of, of the parts of, of what we do is really looking at what you do, 
speaking to you, find out what your personality is and your your premises or your shop or uh, the place that you trade from really has to say what you are about. I have a bit of a geek question. Yes. Um, a lot of my job also entails, as a trend analyst, um, a lot of secret shopping. Um, yes. So going into stores and seeing how they flow and how they work. Mm. And I'm very aware of things like the transition zones and all of the sort of the flow of your store from a cognitive science perspective. I told you yes. I was going to go geek on you. Yes. Um, I don't understand that. So, <laughs> but I mean, how much, how, how difficult was that? Because I can imagine, because there are certain, you know, areas that are, are hotspots or transition zones. Yes. And with a container, that must have been incredible. Incredibly difficult because mm. you know you've got all of that science that works in terms of assisting a consumer purchase, and you're using literally a box <laughs> to yeah. do that. Yeah, so, um, well, as, as a geek type of question, like for example, <laughs> Moik being, being the client, all clients are, are kind of difficult sometimes, and um, <laughs> Moik wanted like the world inside a little small <laughs> container, and we're like, Moik, you, you yeah, cannot get that. And that's where it came down, so it, it basically works on like um, the capacity that you, that the client's willing to accommodate for, and at the same time, we don't want that to interfere with how the look of your shop's gonna 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 turn out at the end of it. So um it all came down to space planning where we had to measure things and make sure that everything fits in. At the same time there there are standards to design whereby people can walk through a certain passage with a minimum uh distance and at the same time you have like occupational health and safety. All of those things first come into account mm-hmm. and then the stall has to come into account. Um and yeah, it has to be a safe open space, not claustrophobic, because it's already claustrophobic. So the whole idea was to try and open up the space, but yet try and exhibit as many items um, in there as possible. So yeah, that's basically where where the challenge came in. So yeah, there's a lot of technical yeah technical issues that that we had to go through. Those were the first things, and then thereafter came the pretty no, picture and the final. Don't slap the store together. <laughs> no. No. Wow. For yeah. those of you who are tuned in, this is the Fashion Lab, and this is where we hold it down every Friday, one to two p.m. Central Time talking about strategic planning and just making sure that we can actually start paying more attention to how our brands are represented, you know, from a physical perspective. Anyway, we will be right back uh, with Nicola Cooper on the trend report um, and the conversations will continue um, around this very interesting subject matter. Nicola, welcome uh, to the show with your trend report. <laughs> <laughs> I have to chip in every now and then. The inner geek comes out. Um, yeah, today I'm going to be speaking about um, sneakers and, and the trend of sneakers um, and not just the idea of sneakers becoming uh, something uh, lustworthy. The idea of a sneaker head, which um, most people don't really understand. Um, so I thought I'd start by explaining what a sneaker head is. Um, and this is a person who collects, trades, or admires uh, sneakers in, in a form of a hobby. Um, but they are like any other collectors. So these, these sneakers or limited edition sneakers become... Um, 
collect, highly collectible items like a good piece of fashion would be. And um, these guys are very, very knowledgeable about the origins and the history of sneakers. They spend a great deal of time and money. Trust me, they are not cheap. Uh, studying the categories and its past. So it's quite interesting because sneakers really only became desirable in the 1970s and that's with the New York scene like ballers and um, the New York um, athletes where they started tailoring uh, footwear for certain athletes and then it became desirable um, to have that athlete's footwear. So what's quite interesting is that now it's a massive, massive commodity. And we spoke last week about 3.4% growth in retail. Mm-hmm. And it's actually 5.8% of that growth is in leather goods and footwear. Wow. So it's interesting to understand that, you know, and Frypan would probably be able to assist me better in this. How much are my McQueen's? What what did they retail at? I think those were six thousand. Six thousand rand for a pair of sneakers. So as you can see, it's hmm. not just something that you're gonna like summer go running in, hey? Um, <laughs> <laughs> not <laughs> it advised. is something that is uh, very important and obviously with the internet and the accessibilities to other collectors, this has increased mm-hmm. the cost of sneakers. Now, just to give you an idea, um, Josh Luber, who's done a tremendous amount of research on the sneakerhead culture, um, he really did some amazing work in the resale market. So when a, a sneaker launches at a specific store, you have those guys, you know those guys, they'll <laughs> go and buy 50 pairs, okay, and then they'll put it on eBay for double the retail price. Why do people do that? I know. I was going to say, when was that? I feel like I'm living in a different (laughs) world. It happens all the time. And I'm going to touch, we're going to touch base with your hand with that. But in 2014, there was the resales equated to 200 million. Okay. And if you assume that these shoes were sold on average for twice the retail price, that sets the value at a hundred million. Okay. Just in sneakers. Now, if we think, you know me, I'm an Afro-optimist, and I don't think we are laggards. So um, I brought Johan Fenter in uh, from Area 3 for two reasons. Um, so we can understand the phenomenon of of the sneaker head from his perspective. And then I want to touch base about the Area 3 store. And um, both Frypan and uh, Johan come with a knowledge. If you just look at their feet alone, you you know what we're talking about. So welcome, Johan. Um, uh, it's a good thing we're wearing shoes. Yes. Liz <laughs> and I, we're like, look. <laughs> so um, I know the Yeezy dropped. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about the Yeezy for those who are not in the know? Yeah, so the Yeezy is basically sneaker designed by Kanye West. Like, obviously, his whole collaboration started with Nike, um, but that relation kind of stopped in 2014, Frappan? Like, beginning 2014. So his first boot dropped, like, a couple of months ago called, like, the Yeezy 750, retail for, like, 
um, 4K, so like 3999, which considering isn't that much. Um, and the, th- wow. well, con- considering, considering, like yes, I'm getting go yes, the deeper now. Yes, yes. Um, and like the 350, like the low cut dropped the 27th of June and yeah, it basically sold out in an hour. Um, we had like 300 people chilling outside the store and people came up from Durban PE with no guarantee of copying a pair. And those retail for 3K, like 2999. So now the interesting thing is that, like Nicola actually like um, touched on, is like the whole reseller aspect, where the 750 is like, yes, retail for 4K, but right now, if you want to pay, you basically need like 30K to play around with. Gosh, the studio <laughs> is very quiet. We, we all sort of went. <laughs> so, so if you put things into perspective, like the 750 boot actually costs more than a pair of Jimmy Choo's. That is, wow! That is. And crazy. Who's buy, who are and buying? Who are buying? Is that they are paying? It's, it's real, like. But also the thing that kind of like adds to the whole exclusivity is the amount of numbers that actually get produced. Like the 750 boot, like only 12 pairs got sold in oh, South wow. Africa alone, and that yeah. dropped in uh, shelf life in Cape Town. Um, the 350, like we were lucky enough at Area Three and Brom to actually um, like also get involved on. Um, get involved in everything. We got 28 pairs. And how many would you say would produce? So, um, no, globally. globally. Sure, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure that's So, figure. do they give us like what? A tenth or like what? A fiftieth? Well, I'm, like, I'm actually not sure. Okay. Like, I know, like, in South Africa, there's like 58 pairs were made available. I'm just saying, the whole very, they better make me fly. It's very, it's, not, it's very no, it's, exclusive. This yeah, is a, it's like, it's definitely like one of the most comfiest shoes that you will like put on your foot. I mean, like they guaranteed. are absolutely stunning. And I think what we're also starting to see is not just collaborations with musicians such mm. as Kanye West, but with artists, with existing designers, uh, like the Alexander McQueen, Yoji Yamamoto, um, some very, very high end designers collaborating um, with sneaker companies because sneakers have become such a large part of our lifestyle um, and not just because of the sort of whole keep fit movement which started a couple of years ago with cross training and running and all those kinds of elements but also the idea of um, what started about three years ago which is called sports lux and it's an old term now but what it meant is more and more people were starting to work from home or in smaller environments and they wanted to be comfortable but at the same time they want to look super, super hot. And they didn't want to spend money on cheap shoes or anything else because if they were going to a meeting, they would want to represent. Um, and I think I'm going to throw this one um, in terms of fry pans way. Um, like, what is the most expensive shoe you sold? It's probably 8000 And what was that? It was Alexandra McQueen. Um, much because of... Alexandra McQueen being sports lux, as you just explained. So this is as high as you can go in terms of luxury. Oh, so I'm um, not doing too badly. Uh, not together. doing too badly. <laughs> in luxury, We've got a clap for you. Up <laughs> <laughs> once. Um, well, it's it's pretty much the same level as Ka- where Kanye West is because he does bring a luxurious element into sneakers as well through fabrication, mm. bringing f- premium fabrication in the detail and... Um, where you'd least expect there to be luxury. But more than anything else, you're buying the culture, the culture that's synonymous to the certain character 
um, and what they've built around them. Kanye West, that's why it, it costs so much to buy a shoe. Okay. A shoe that is synonymous to Kanye West as opposed to a shoe synonymous to Pharrell. Okay, and I'm just going to have a sort of last question for Johan um, because Area 3 is one of my favorite spaces in Brahm because you. you constantly change it and redesign the window and everything in accordance to the shoe that you are highlighting that particular month. Is it changed on a monthly basis? Yeah, well, yeah, we aim to like sometimes twice, three times. all just depends on the campaign. And I mean, just explain one of your campaigns, maybe the Pharrell campaign and cool. how that rolled out. I'll, I'll even like throw back a little. So just to give like everyone some perspective. Um, so area three was basically in Mabineng. We were just a brand activation space where we brought like different campaigns to life. We didn't just like have a shoe. Um, so for example, um, we had like a pro skaters like his signature model drop and we basically converted the whole space in Mabining into a skate park where people could basically like skate all day um, and that installation was up for about a month anyway we shut down like in August last year opened about four months ago um, like downscaled quite a lot but like we still have like the brand activation space but we incorporated like a retail element so and but like we are obviously like Ada's originals so the thing is like how do you stand out um, shoes the way you dress it's like an extension of your personality so like how do you stand out that's what area three is all about just being original like being unique you know so yeah so different campaigns installations for example the Pharrell supercolor that you mentioned um we had like origami artists basically come in and just fold like hundreds of like multicolor shapes and hang it up just to coincide with the supercolor campaign Wow, what are you guys having in your shop? What what uh, are you what brand or what what are you doing now? Uh, right what now we've got the ZX Flex, which is like a crossover like lifestyle running shoe. Yeah, yeah. Well, basically the original one was born like 1989, um, got like a whole like reworked like t- 2014 technology built into it. Last year dropped, and it just got like a re-release now. But there's some exciting times coming, like the new Pharrell, like Super Shell, just dropped today, 7th of August. Um, amazing, amazing, amazing. Also, Ultra Boost is coming, like one of the, the most amazing, comfortable shoes as well. Wow, thank you so much, Johan. You know, Frypan, just back to you quickly, because yeah. um, we are definitely are <laughs> running, running out, out of time, time. <laughs> and we've got our fun segment, which we're going to have to squash quickly. But cool. could you just tell us a bit about the work that you're doing as Frypan? Hi, cool. Um, my name is Mpumelelo. By the way, Frypan <laughs> is just a street name. We um, love Frypan. We love streets. <laughs> so what I do is um, I'm founder and manager of an online store called RHTC Online, uh, rhtconline.com. And what I do is distribute online um, streetwear brands, developing streetwear brands from South Africa. So that's that's my niche. But what I used to do a few months ago is manage a store called Puma Select. It's a concept store. There's two of its kind in the world. And wow. one is in Cape Town and the other here in Johannesburg, Bramfontein. And it's pretty much the same as Adidas, the Adidas Area 3 um, store. Um, and they're like a few, few, a few minutes away from each other. So tight competition. So what, what that space is about is to express the culture that the brand has been developing from the 90s or the 80s till now. And what we do is that we bring traditional silhouettes. Silhouettes is the soul and the technology that's in the soul. So what we do is rebrand it by collaborating with 
artists all around the world. These may be musicians, um, designers, photographers, and so forth. So we have monthly monthly um, collaborations, activations. collaborations, and activations that complement that. Did this, did this affect your online store and your cu- curation of your online store? The idea of being so selective. Definitely, I mean, in a positive way. Um, much because um, I learned a lot about branding and how to market in a in a very disciplined way. Because it's really about sticking to your your core tradition and what 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 Pima does. It sticks to its trinomic tradition. That's the technology it has in its shoe, and what it does, it borrows it to a lot of artists to experiment with and do artistic stuff. And by doing that, it's a cultural exchange. So with me personally, what I've done is. What I've done is I've stuck to a, a theme um, for the last eight months, which is called Let's Play Outside. And we've done so much with it, workshops, we've done an advert through it, um, we've done activations whereby we bring a lot of our customers to play around tra- and, and play around with traditional, traditional games that we grew up on, shot an ad on that, had them screen it, and view it through sc- three screenings, and they... They 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 were the ones that premiered it on their blogs. So we premiered it on a hundred blogs. So wow. that's that's the whole theme. It's still carrying on. So I look outside for the hashtags. Let's play outside. <laughs> wow, you guys are, you guys are amazing. Genius. I think oh, just quickly before you get off, we're gonna just do a quick. Um, where can people find you? He forgot mm. to mention one thing though. Uh, okay, what is that? <laughs> what, your your TV thing. Though. Oh yeah 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 yeah. I lived my childhood dream just a few days ago. Got invited to your TV. That was that was dope. <laughs> <laughs> look at John. It's like tell them about that. I just wanted to say, Liz, with guys, and in to all our listeners um, that's tuned in because the studio is a little bit full today. Everyone's information. Um, on where to get all our guests We will download it on the website Nicola, do you just quickly want to close your trend report? Yes, please um, I, I'm going to be doing this every week now So I would like your input To see what you would be interested in In terms of trends So if you have any topics Or any observations That you'd like to put forward to me Just hashtag Ask Nicola Cooper And we will certainly look through that Thank you And uh, finally we're going to do this really quick <laughs> I think it's a 10 seconds or 15 seconds for everyone to just quickly say who we, you would want to dress and why. We're going to take it maybe from that side all the way. Sure. And yeah. you guys are just going to jump in. But just, just who would you want to dress and why? This is our fun segment. It's just that we're rushing it today. And for our listeners who are tuned in, you can definitely um, tweet us or Insta us at Fashion Lab Africa. Um, and just share with us what, what, you're, what you're feeling. Who would you want to dress and why? I definitely would love to dress uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt because I have a massive crush on him. And he wears phenomenal suits. And I would like to get him into one of the trains of the culture clash. And I'd like to see him in an African print suit. Wow. Nice. Um, my person quickly, because we're just running out of time, is, um, Gabrielle Union. Um, she's an American actress. You know, I normally dress guys, but I, I looked at her yesterday. I'm like, damn, you know, she, she's just someone I really want to dress because of her sophistication. Um, anybody else who can remember who they want to dress? Andre, come on. Guys, <laughs> anybody else? <laughs> Fry, uh, I want to dress. Mpumalelo <laughs> Swag Swag I'm feeling that I feel good about that um, I'd, I'd, I'd dress Kanye West Because I'd be the only one In history to do that 
Wow. Mm. Hmm. I would want to dress uh, on the flip side, and I'm taking this back. I'm flipping it because um, Morik mentioned Gab- Gabrielle. So I want to dress Jimon Hunsu. I think he's just, mm. he's like ice cream. I mean, like, he's like, <laughs> guys, it's been so good having uh, all of this full house um, in studio today. We're going to definitely share information. The podcasts mm. are out for download um, in about an hour. We're going to share and connect. If you have any more um, feedback or if you want to share anything, if you want to hear us discuss any subject matters that are of concern to you as the African fashion industry, hit us up. We are on Twitter at Fashion Lab AF. We are, uh, website is www.fashionlabafrica.com. Um, I, I think that I've said everything. You've I said think. everything. Yeah. This is the Fashion Lab, <laughs> right on cliffcentral.com. Um, thank you for tuning in. It's been an absolute pleasure. Until next week, Friday. Ciao, ciao. Bye. This Bye. is cliffcentral.com.